Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. I call this a skeleton outline. Just uh, some uh, bullet points under there. Hopefully we'll, we'll cover these uh, and much, much more. We are now on the third chapter. This is our fourth lesson. We are on the third chapter. Um, and um, to for a, a review, I, I don't remember how much we, we questions I've asked, okay, so but we'll uh, take a few questions now uh, that I have for you and there is a grade on this now. <laughs> There's a grade on this, okay. Um, well, yeah, because I'm not going to police the area here. Okay, so, so uh, Luke starts with the birth. I'm talking about the Gospels now. Uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, starts with the birth of Jesus. Mark starts, and now you can be two places, at the ministry of Jesus or uh, the work of John the Baptist. Either one of those will work in there, but I just have it just in my mind that uh, Mark starts with the ministry of Jesus, okay? Because he is concerned about action. Where does the gospel of John begin? Oh, look at you. <laughs> that was good. Right off, right in the beginning, and of course, uh, John is, he, he doesn't choose those words just uh, sloppy, he chooses those words because it sounds like Genesis 1-1, yeah, in the beginning, God, and, uh, and he starts, in the beginning uh, was the word. Um, let's be a little more technical then, okay? Okay. Uh, what does John call the miracles of Jesus? Oh, that was good. I heard it here first. So I'm not sure where. I didn't, Adam, I heard you say something. I couldn't, I couldn't tell what it was. Okay, signs. And uh, they, they are a billboard to direct you to God working in Jesus Christ. The word, okay? Uh, that's uh, roughly uh, kind of that. Ooh. Oh, I, I can, I finally read my own writing now. <laughs> Who knows where the wine came from at the first miracle of Jesus in this book? Who knows? Oh, now, that was good. That was good. That was really good, okay? Yeah. Okay, so um, in our uh, last lesson, we did most of the uh, uh, second chapter. We just had a few verses that we did not do, and uh, our commitment is to read every word inside our time here, and so uh, let's do that. Let's uh, go back uh Second chapter, I think it's uh, verse 23. No, 
comes in. Uh, 23, okay. Oh, <clears throat> now, uh, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast festival, uh, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Okay? Now, uh, just uh, in, a, in a technical sense, this is the first Passover. In the book of John, you have at least three Passovers. And that's the only reason we know that the ministry of Jesus was at least three years. Because if you were just reading the synoptics, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you were just reading those, you can't really get more than a year of ministry out of those, okay? It is John that tells us that we got at least three. So here's the first Passover that we have recorded here uh, that, that Jesus attended. Um, and uh, some people saw the signs he was performing and, and they believed. Uh, but Jesus wouldn't commit himself or entrust himself to them because he knew what was in people's hearts. Now, once you put your thinking cap on, why, how does Jesus know what is in the heart of human beings? It's a trick question now. It's part of a trick question. Linda? You, you could go to that, but I think he's self-limiting here. And I mean, he limited himself by coming in, in the form of Jesus. Well, go ahead, Daryl. Boom! Teacher's pet, and he's sitting on the last. No. <laughs> think of, now think about it. You're a human being, so you know about human beings. Uh, unless you really don't listen to yourself at all. And there are people like that. They're They're divided, and they... And, and they don't pay attention to themselves. And a lot of people don't like themselves very much. And um, I hope that's not saying anything about you. I hope, I hope you learn to love yourself like God loves you. Do you know that people that go to the doctor get a prescription and 50% of them will not take the medicine or even fill the prescription? Did you know that? That same person will take their dog to a vet and the vet will tell them what medicine to give the dog and how to do it and they'll follow it to the letter. Now you have to ask why and how does that happen? I think there's just a lot of people that just don't care much for themselves. And by the way, you know that married men live longer than single men do. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. <laughs> what was that? 
I think, you know, that, uh, this, is, this is not on my script for tonight, okay, but I, I think it's the nag factor that... <laughs> that, that yeah, yeah, that, I don't know who said that, okay, but yeah, yeah, they said, that, take, you, need to, you need to take your meds, you need to take your meds, you need to take your meds, okay. It all works out, guys, okay. All right. So, uh, but, but in this te text, you know, we got a Passover feast that Jesus is at, okay? And uh, so that's kind of like a peg you can drive in the ground and, and, and that you know about him. And then uh, later in the Passovers, when it comes up, you'll, you'll see him and, and uh, then you'll know that's a, that's a year later. That's got to be at least a, a year later. Um, <clears throat> but he... He knew there was, there was believing, and then there's believing. And he was not ready to entrust himself uh, to human beings because they can be terribly, terribly fickle. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be reading the text, and uh, the, the text will say that Jesus arrived, and everybody says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Then that crowd later will be shouting, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" And and Jesus knew that about boy. Uh, if if we think we're stupid individually, you get us together in a great big mob, but we really get stupid then, and and do terrible things. Okay, and um, and and Jesus uh, knew that. Okay. Okay. So now we're we're going to um, chapter three, and we. Uh, we, we, we don't do a sign tonight, okay, but we got Nicodemus tonight, and, and this is, I just love these encounters, okay. Jesus encounters Nicodemus, uh, fourth chapter, he encounters a woman at the well. Uh, I just love these encounters, okay, and it, it tells us so much about who Jesus is, and of course, when we hear about who Jesus is, we're, we're learning about who God is and how God acts and what God would say and, and how God would act. Okay, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so that's uh, sort of the introduction that we uh, get about Nicodemus and also what he begins to say. Now, how many of you hear a politician in there? You, exactly where do you hear it at? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Jesus, you're really good. You're a really good guy. We, yeah. Now, th there's some truth and nugget in this, okay? Um, but you can just hear that he's being just uh, a little gushy, at least uh, when he when he comes to this. Okay, uh, so uh, and and but but he has a, a term of respect, not the greatest respect, but he has a term of respect by calling Jesus Rabbi, and uh, <clears throat> we we know that he something has triggered him. Now, what that is, uh, you're supposed to guess, I think, at that. But something has triggered Nicodemus to make this trip 
to see Jesus. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry? Oh, okay. Okay. So, so he's he's hearing about God and some some power some triggered him. So in some ways the signs are working then. Okay. Was there another person who wants to say something over here? Go ahead. John loves these two things: dark light, life, death. John loves these things coming together to where you can compare them. Am I, am I, we're on the same page? Are we, Mike? Okay, good. I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm really, yeah. He's sticking his toe in the water. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, have, I just have that sense of, of him as well. And, and you can make all kinds of negative things uh, around this, okay? But if, if there's a little flicker of light, you, you, want, you, want, to, you want to fan that. Um, I, I think it's his, uh, Luke who says that about Jesus. He uh, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Um, it just, if there's anything spark at all in you, Jesus wants to fan that in, into life, okay? And that, that's what I'm getting here, okay? Even if just, you know, hearsay, that kind of thing, but, but he is, and he's looking for something. He, at least he knows that about himself, that he's looking for something. And, and so he's trying, to, he's trying to follow up on that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to give him a little more room than I used to, put it, put it that way, okay? And, and, and saying that somebody's a Pharisee is not, uh, uh, not necessarily a good, good statement, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of bad press here, Okay. Um, but while they have a lot of bad press, let me say that they produce Gamaliel, the teacher, and they produce uh, Saul that became Paul. Um, I just want to put that out there. So this, this, this is really a two-way street, and it looks as though um, uh, he's going to act that way. Um, he's going to see Jesus anyway. He's going to try to follow up. Get, yeah, Mike. Okay. That God is uh, draw, God. It is God Himself who's drawing it. Oh, amen. Amen. Yeah. If there's any any good going on, God, it's God helping out. Okay. Uh, getting that to happen. Now, <clears throat> I just don't know when to do it. Okay. There's two other places in the Gospel of John that Nicodemus appears. Okay. And uh, we we will want to do them. It's just a matter of of uh, of when, of when we do it, okay? 
Let's read a few more verses and then go from there, okay? And see, we'll see. But, but there's two other places that we'll want to look at. Jesus uh, replied, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus just cuts right to the chase. You get that? Uh, Nicodemus was into niceties and compliments, and, and that's all fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, except Jesus just cuts it and goes right to the chase and right to the heart of the matter. And what's the heart of the matter? Nicodemus needs be born again. And he cannot even see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And that just makes no sense to him at all. Okay? It makes no sense. Let me see where, where we go. Uh, how can someone be born when they are old? See, now he, Jesus is talking on one level, and he is hearing on another. Jesus is talking on a spiritual level, and he is thinking on a physical level, okay? And so I don't know whether we're going to get those two together. Oh, G. Campbell Morgan had the best outline for this encounter uh, with Jesus. First of all, he says that they are face-to-face, Okay, when, when Nicodemus gets there, he's face-to-face with Jesus. And then, it's not very much later, he's mind-to-mind with Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. And then later, it's heart-to-heart. And I thought that was just a great outline and, uh, to, to uh, think, think about this. Uh, surely, you cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born uh, Jesus answered, verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. And now uh, there you go. Uh, again, Jesus says in his most solemn words, not only can you not see the kingdom of God, you really, you can't enter it unless you're born again. Uh, and, and now he adds two things to be born with, and what is that? Water and spirit. Those, those are the two things that uh, you need uh, to uh, be born anew and afresh. Now, most of us get the spirit idea, we'll, we'll, and we'll talk about that too, okay? But what is the water? Now, the, the, I know there's physical water, H2O, I know that, okay? But Jesus is talking about spiritually or on a spiritual uh, level. Uh, so uh, did you come up with anything with the water? Somebody say baptism? Oh, baptism, yeah. A lot of people say that. I, I'm sorry? Well, these things don't have a right answer here. No, I mean, they obviously they have, but, but, but there are great people who take a look at this and come up with different answers, okay? And they're all good ones. They're all good ones, yeah. Like in your 
That's one of the, it's one of the, 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 the great arguments is there's usually water uh, that accompany uh, the birth of, of humans. Is that, is that all you want to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit. That's why I say most of us wouldn't have any problem at all with the Spirit, okay? We'll, we'll talk a little later. Yeah, go ahead. Paul tells us that rock was Christ. Mm-hmm. That, that. So, I, I come with, and I know this, I, 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 I think this is a word, okay? Um, when, when Paul's talking about, and when he's talking about marriage, he, he, I think is in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and when he's talking about marriage, uh, and uh, he talked about uh, the, the bride is, is the, the washing of the water by the word. And I, I thought there might be an idea of somehow the word washes you, washes you clean here, okay? So, but that's not Jim. Excellent. Exactly. And that's what I meant. You don't have to have just absolute right answers for these, okay? Uh, but very often coming to to your conclusion is the exercise that, that really matters for you, okay? So, uh, oh, by the way, um, well, let's read on. Let's read on. Good job, by the way. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. But it makes no sense to Nicodemus. That's the problem. It makes no sense to him. He would not see that at all, especially with him being Jewish. Now, they understand that somewhat dealing with proselytes. You know what I mean by a proselyte? That's a Gentile that wants to be a Jew, okay? They understand that, and, that, and they use baptism uh, of, of, with water uh, for the proselyte. That may make sense to him, but him being a Jew, he cannot see that. And that's part of the problem. Because he's not seeing human beings. He's seeing Jewish and Gentiles. He's not seeing human beings. I love that uh, where Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house and, and the woman comes in and washes his feet and, and uh, dries it with her hair and, uh, you know, roughly, you know, the story. But Jesus asked Simon, he said, do you see that woman? And the answer is no, he didn't see a woman there. He saw a prostitute off the street. Yeah, you see, you see he did, but he, 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 the woman was completely, he couldn't even see that just from where he's coming. And that's the same way with Nicodemus here. This just makes no sense to him. And he has to, he has to, to, to try to learn what that is. And to be honest with you, I think he's soberer in mind to think, trying to figure out what that is. 
okay? I think that's what he's there for. And whether he's successful or not, you'll have to make up your mind <laughs> what you think, okay? And we'll, we'll have more information as, as we go along. Then he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And, and this is the only place in the New Testament that this word pneuma, which is spirit here, is compared to wind. Every other place, and I think it's 370 times it's in the New Testament, it always refers to God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? And uh, right now we're, we're talking about in, uh, using the word pneuma in, in all the New Testament, okay? 370 times. This is the only place it talks about the wind. The only other time it talks about the, the, the wind connected with this word is when it's quoting an Old Testament passage. I think Hebrews does that. Okay. Uh, so every, everyone born in the Spirit... How can this be, Nicodemus asked. He's, he, it, it just makes no sense to him. He just can't hear any of that. Okay. But he's working on it. He suspects there's something going on. Okay? And that's all you need. That's all you need uh, is to let Jesus get his foot in the door. And, uh, and he'll do that. Okay, let's go to it. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things. <laughs> I thought that, I love that part, yeah. And you're supposed to be teaching people, and you don't know what this means? Something's wrong with the system. That's what Jesus is saying. Something's wrong with the system. Very, Verily, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then you will believe if I speak of heavenly things? Yeah, because if, 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 you, if you can't get this simple talk... How in the world are we going to ever move on and have a more serious talk uh, with each other? Go ahead, Daryl. Who is the we that he's talking about here? Who do you speak of? Who are you talking about? I don't know. There, there, there are, are people who, who make sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I want to add, too, here that don't ever forget, not only is he well-educated, he is wealthy. And we'll come across that. I don't think I'll fail to mention that again later uh, when we look at where he appears other places, Okay. This is a wealthy man, and he is a ruler. He is a member of the Sanhedrin. It, that will come up a little later, okay? But he is a ruler, okay? Uh, he is all of these things put together. Okay. All right, let's go. 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up, I tell you what, let's, let's stop there. Let's do Nicodemus, and then we'll come back to this text, okay, because um, I want to take a, a, a little deeper look at that. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, we'll go to, to, and we're talking about Nicodemus, 7th chapter, verse 50. Okay, seventh chapter, verse 50. This is an appearance in uh, John of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? Now, uh, they're, they're considering uh, Jesus as a Sanhedrin is, and this is a reply that Nicodemus makes. Um, and it seems to me like he's really on the side of Jesus here. You hear, you hear that too, Adam? Yeah, yeah, it just seems to me like he's really on the side of Jesus here, and he's trying to sway the Sanhedrin to uh, at, at least let's hear from him. At least let's hear from him, Okay. So we know that he, he is part of the ruling class. We often think Jesus only having to do with um, peasants and poor people. And that. I just want to point out that this is the ruling class who is interested in Jesus here, uh, at least the ruling uh, uh, class of, uh, of the Jews, Okay. Now, the last time and the other time he appears is chapter 1939. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Now, this, they're, they're preparing the body of Jesus is what they, they think they're going to do, do, okay? And he's got 75 pounds of spices. That's why I know this man is a very wealthy man to have that kind of um, amount of spices with him. <clears throat> and uh, do you know why he's got these spices? Going to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. Go ahead. That's that's a good note. Now. Because it's an enormous amount. That's why I'm, yeah, and, and it's what. Yeah, but what's the spices for? I'm sorry? For burial. The spices are for burial. 
Sometimes I make too much of this stuff, I know. I know that, okay? We always got to be careful of that, don't we? But it seems to me, and I'm on Nicodemus' side, and I still think there's hope, even beyond this, okay? I think, I think he's got a great deal uh, going for him, okay? But he's a lost ball in tall weeds, and he's going to have long, he's got a long road ahead of him. I think that he can deal with death. He knows exactly what to do at death. But he doesn't have the foggiest thing about life. And that is his problem. And he's going to have to, you know, he, he can't get this being born again at all because that's new life. Uh, maybe you haven't noticed that, but I, I know, well, I've been a pastor for 40-some years, you know. You, you see things, and you'll see people, man, they know exactly what to do when somebody dies. They know what to do, and they'll handle it but they haven't got the foggiest idea what to do with somebody alive. Don't know what to do with, with life. They're just lost when it comes to life. But they know, oh, yeah, go ahead. No. No. No, my, my, no, no, he just wants to have a really good funeral for a guy he thinks is an all right guy. I don't think he's near there, okay? And I just want to point out that here's Nicodemus again. And, of course, John wants us to know Nicodemus because it's the same guy that came to him by night. You know, John wants us to get all, us to get all that. And I think this is one of those cases when you have a person who knows what to do when death arrives but hasn't got the foggiest idea what to do with when life begins, okay? And uh, uh, I'll, you know, death is not an emergency. It is not. Uh, somebody is as dead, if they're, if they're dead today, they'll be just as dead two months from now as they are now. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but the point is, there's no emergency. But now if you've got life in, in the balance, then there's, there's an emergency maybe. Okay. And so some people don't know what to do with that. Okay. And Freud knew this. Okay. Freud found this in psychology. I touched on it when I talked about people who won't take their medicine. And uh, have you ever known anybody that's got a death wish? Well, you have. You may not have noticed it. And there's just a lot of people, they got death wishes. Okay. In other words, the death is winning out and not life. And you want to make sure that you, you don't help death out because death, is, death can't do anything without your help. <laughs> If death ever moves or talks or walks or does anything like that, there's somebody alive behind there animating it. Because death is death. But now life, that's different. Okay? 
And you always want to be on the side of life for yourself. Between you and God, we'll just start there. And then, of course, you want to encourage that and other people that you meet. You encourage it for yourself. You'll learn to encourage. When you meet somebody and you talk to somebody, you want to encourage the life side of that and not the death side of that. You don't want to be over here gossiping about the negative and no counts and all that kind of thing because there's a list from now on that, that you can put together. That's not a surprise to anybody. But what about the goodness and how to encourage life and how to stimulate life? Boy, that's a job there. That takes work and insight. And that's where, that's where he's at. He knows exactly what to do if Jesus dies but hasn't got anything to do. He doesn't know what to do with life and got the foggiest idea about that. And that's where you want to be. You want to be on the side of life. Amen? You, you, you want to encourage that in yourself. And uh, you, you may even have to read a book about it, what, what really adds to life. Okay. Ah, that's enough of that. Okay. Go back. We'll go back now. Okay, we got those three times, right? We did that all right? So we got uh, Nicodemus coming by night, and he, he's trying to figure out what's going on with this Jesus. And then later, he's kind of on the Jesus side, and then later, he's trying to help Jesus out in his burial. All right, we got that. Okay, uh, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now that is a historical event in the life of Israel that all Jews knew about. Not very long after they are in their journey of 40 years looking for the promised land, and not long after they said that they would not enter it, uh, they do something really stupid. I can't remember what it was now. And God sent snakes to bite them and poison them. And uh, Moses is, uh, you know, trying to help the people out as he does really well and argues. God says, okay, make a, a bronze serpent and you lift it up in the center of the camp and everyone that looks on that that's been bitten will, will live, okay? And so uh, holds that up and everyone that looks on that. Now, the only question we have um, about really about this text is what does it mean for Jesus to be lifted up? And there's at least two really solid answers for that. Number one, I'm sorry, cross. That's number one. Because, he, you know, he's lifted up on the cross. And uh, like if you're, if you're reading Mark, you know, it's only when Jesus is dying on the cross that we know who he is. Uh, the uh, centurion says there, uh, truly, this was the Son of God uh, in, the, in the book of Mark. So, yeah, what would be the other lifting up? I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, the ascension or the glory. Yeah, in other words, he's lifted, he lifted up there. Uh, pick either one you want, okay? I like the cross idea, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I, I like the cross idea because he's lifted up in, in, in the cross and there you really identify God's love for you 
and that his son dies for you. And so I, I really like uh, uh, putting that in. For, look here, 316. I, I was working the paddock one night as a blacksmith at a racetrack, horse racetrack. And I was working in the, in the paddock in the, this, uh, this lady, a nice lady. Uh, I knew her for years. She came and said, what's this at these, at these football games that hold 316? What is that? He's, oh, man. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, oh, this is good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Boom. So there, there's the simplicity of the gospel and, uh, and uh, just a wondrous love of God demonstrated for us in, in that uh, 316. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I uh, just want to say that very often when we talk about eternal life, we're talking about a life that will not end and a life in heaven. Usually that's what we talk about. That's not where this emphasis is. The emphasis is not on the quantity of life, but the quality of life that comes to us in Jesus Christ. So the, the, the quantity of that life. I, later, uh, John will record Jesus say that, that I have come that you might have life and that you will have it more abundantly. That's King James, okay? Uh, that, that you might have it to the full. And, and, and that's putting the real emphasis on it's the quality of life that Jesus brings to you that comes to you through faith in him. It's the quality of that life. And that's uh, what he's promised to us there. Okay. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This, uh, this to me, is, is a great discussion about judgment and uh, about life. And, and uh, this is where I come to uh, with, with this, Okay. See how it works for you, and you, you'll get a chance to chime in later, okay? So Jesus comes by, and two, two people are here. Two, and Jesus comes by, and he says, come follow me, as he might do. And uh, one person follows, but the other one stays. Now, what did Jesus do to condemn him? Nothing. I'm sorry? Not a thing. Not a thing. He offered salvation here to two human beings, but only one of them took it. And what did the other one do? The other one stayed in the condition they were in before Jesus got there. So by definition, they stayed. They were not born again. 
They were not changed by the presence of Jesus, but the one is changed by the presence of Jesus. So the person that stayed there, their condemnation is made visible by the presence of Jesus Christ. You, you see what I mean? But it's by the presence of Jesus being there and leaving with, with one person is, is they uh, leave and uh, judgment is seen there. One of the writers, uh, when, we, when we looked at uh, this, would, would write it like this. They, there was this museum. They had all these beautiful, I did this one time. They had all these beautiful paintings in there, and they took a person in there, and they didn't like any of them. And uh, they told them, you know, these are not up for you to be judging right now. They've already been judged on for years and years and years. But your ignorance is showing, and your non-appreciation for the art is showing. In other words, they are condemned, not the picture. Okay? All right. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, where did we, where, did we, we read this, didn't we? Okay. Oh, um, one of the big arguments, I think, in, uh, is the idea of fate and faith. And I think you'll, uh, you, you can see that, uh, uh, Nicodemus doesn't have any idea of faith yet, uh, at least uh, in the first encounter, which he doesn't have any idea, uh, but, but he understands fate. His, he thinks his fate is to be a Jew, and to, to be something else, is, he can't believe that's possible, uh, but Jesus makes all things possible. Uh, this is a verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so we, we know how we're using the idea of light here, uh, the the the. the we, we come into the light because we are doing the right thing and we feel that we're doing the right thing and we feel pretty comfortable with God, okay? All right, okay. So, and, and those who will not come into the light, of course, are wanting to hide and, and, and keep back and, and not expose themselves, okay? Um, that, that seemed to be, uh, to, to be self-evident in, in the text, okay? Okay, now we're, we're, we're moving on to uh, John the Baptist. And uh, I, I realized after I wrote that and I read that, it's uh, simultaneous ministry. We, we, we'll get that, okay? Uh, the, the disciples argue, we'll get that. Uh, but John takes his place there, meaning John uh, the Baptist sees himself as second place for sure, okay? And he sees Jesus increasing, and that's what I meant by him taking his place is he makes sure that they understand that he's supposed to decrease and, and uh, Jesus to, okay, Jesus to move, to move in there. 
After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Jordan countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Ernan. Again, I don't pronounce these words very well. Okay. I told you about my work at pronouncing Greek text. I worked. I was going to preach on love, and I had that all down. I stargave, filio, eros, and agape. I had it down. Then I got this tape. This is about the time that these little cassette tape recorders came out. (laughs) You see this coming, don't you? So I plugged in C.S. Lewis, and who could ever argue with C.S. Lewis? Certainly not me. And it wasn't agape, it was agape. So I had to redo air. <laughs> All I'm saying is that a lot of these pronunciations are up to the person and very often up to the whatever language they speak. Okay. Let um, I me. Mean, where was we? Okay, Jordan Countryside, where he spent some of his time with them and baptized uh, Aaron Salim uh, because there was plenty of water there and the people were coming and being baptized this is before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and certain Jews over the matter of ceremonial washing. And you can imagine what that would be if, if you have these Pharisees want to really talk to you about washing and that kind of thing. And, and what's John doing? He's baptizing. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Jesus, what he's doing? He's baptizing. So, and, But uh, one of the main things for, for me here is that they're simultaneous. You see Jesus and John the Baptist. In, in all the other uh, gospel writers, they are never simultaneous. Uh, Jesus doesn't really come on the scene until after John goes to prison. And, but here you can see they're, they're simultaneous, okay? And you, you can see the disciples arguing. Um, the, the disciples very often are more critical than the, the leader is, okay? You'll see that a lot. Yeah, just if you pay attention, you'll see that um, a lot, okay? And, and they're, they're really defensive uh, for their leader, Really defensive, okay. Much more than the leader is. Okay, so let's go to our next slide there. Uh, They came to John and said, Rabbi, uh, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing. Everyone is going to him. Uh, To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. Wow. He understands it's what your call is for you. And he'll, he'll, he'll do this a, a different way um, uh, um, toward, the, toward the end of the text. Uh, okay. Uh, but that has, the, your call is your call. And what God has given you is yours. Okay, that, that, that's your call. Okay, and what those other people do is between them and God, and so you see, and he's he's not envious at all. 
Yeah, this is, this is really uh, it's a mark of a great man. John the Baptist is not envious at all of Jesus. Matter of fact, he thinks this is the way the world's supposed to work. Uh, Jesus increases and I decrease. Uh, that, that's, that's the way I understand it. Uh, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him to prepare the way. And, uh, and that was his job. Uh, let's see. I, we are uh, out of time. And uh, it's time to quit, okay? And it's a good place. It's a good place to quit. We, we got the disciples arguing amongst themselves. And <laughs> and, but, but, I, but I want you to see that John is not envious. He knows what his calling is. And he wanted to do his calling. He is doing his calling. Jesus is increasing. He is decreasing. And for him, that is the way uh, that it should be. Okay? Um, but I can't forget what verse did we stop on? I'm sorry? 31? Okay. Oh, that's a good break. It really is. It really is. Because I know that from there, you, the, the, the question is who's speaking and we'll not be able to answer that, okay, but we'll, we'll know that it's there, okay? Are we good? We're good. Let's thank God for his word. Lord, we thank you for your word and that you chose us uh, to read it and to work together to understand it. And Lord, we want to thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to us and helps us and uh, for the spirit that comes into the world and gives us life. We want to thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.